Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. This podcast is brought to you in part by Sears, without their consent. It is time for our weekly listener mail segment. This one I am especially excited for uh, because it is going to be pretty creepy. We're, we're going to go to some some creepy things uh, from your fellow conspiracy realist. And <laughs> I've got to tell you, while we were preparing for this, we've been as open and transparent as we can about all our weird secret projects that we have going on. But as we were preparing for this, I just have to say uh, it, it made my day to hear from so many people reaching out with amazing ideas, reaching out with amazing follow-ups, and you really are, maybe the end of this, <laughs> the arbitrary calendrical end of the year, maybe it's making me be a little sentimental, but I thought, um, I've just been so impressed lately by the correspondence we're getting. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. We just had so many of you do interesting things, which is mm -hmm. probably my favorite aspect of it. And you've experienced things that are, you know, that I have never experienced. And so when you call us with a personal account, when you leave a, an email with a personal account, it just, uh, yeah, it, it brightens all of our days because mm -hmm. it, it gives us the gift of, of knowledge, you know, something new, which yeah. is uh, something I think we all cherish. The more you know, star yes. animation icon. That's yes. right. Like, think about it in concrete terms. Uh, how how amazing is it that we can do multiple episodes on the amazing potential and the dangers of plastics? And we can say, hey, if you if you work with this firsthand, let us know. And then we have people who have written to us from those rarefied fields uh, in very particular 
disciplines uh, so so rarefied, in fact, that they have to write to us anonymously. We've also had a lot of people speak with us about the dangers of the surveillance state in which the majority of humanity lives. And money laundering in the art world. <laughs> yes. All kinds yes. of stuff. I'm telling you, fart is the future. I'm I a bad they- person. <laughs> for 15 percent we did I don't understand a, what's happening here we did a uh illumination global unlimited noel one of our longtime sponsors uh, oh, oh yeah i'm a big fan yeah, big fan big fan we're all contractually oh, well, i fear them anyway uh, yeah but. we're contractually obligated to both be big fans and fear them i think mm-hmm. but, but the uh mm-hmm. was that was the only contract that is signed in blood now that you mention it but we're we're talking about the concept of privacy, which is relatively new in its modern sense. And we're talking about the idea of surveillance. And there's something, you know, inherently creepy. Uh, I got a great message about some issues with DIY uh, signal jammers and ring or nest cameras. Uh, and then, you know, it's it's toward the holidays now. So a lot of people, some of whom are in the audience today, probably have a little elf doll on their shelf to sort of normalize surveillance for their children, <laughs> which not to date, not to date uh, the four of us too much. But I don't think any of us grew up with that. Did you guys? I didn't grow up with it, but my daughter did. I had to do it. Uh, and I kind of resented it being thrust upon me, to be honest, because it's yet another lie that you have to kind of like, you know, force upon your kids uh, because they're aware of it because other kids talk about it. And it's like a book. It's at the store and stuff. So, you know, I just I don't really care for it. But, mm-hmm. you know, eventually she there's a whole deal behind it. Like you're not allowed to touch it or it's mm-hmm. magic will disappear. You know, I mean, it's the most insidious kind of lie. Uh, and you're right. We've talked about this before. It really is an enforcement of this kind of like nanny state it's uh, one of santa's little agents kind of like watching you at all times it does sort of give you a little more peek behind the curtain of how the hell santa could possibly keep surveillance and tabs on all these kids at the same time because he's mm. got these little stooges that do it for him but yeah. you know none of it's real yeah this sort of normalization of surveillance in someone's private home their private like sphere and what we found recently is a precedent for this kind of thing on an even more Orwellian level. And maybe that's where we start today. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, let's do it. We're going to go to a message from Tall Pockets, and we will get to you in one moment, Tall Pockets. I just want to really quickly state that children, when they're in the age when they've got a cell phone, now are aware that their parents can track them to some extent or maybe have access to things they do on that phone to some extent. Um, I think, you know, there's no set range or age when a child can have a cell phone or use a cell phone, you know, for emergency purposes, to social media, to contacting parents and all kinds of things. But there's an age range before that, that, you know, again, not to generalize, but, but having a stuffed doll or a doll toy is generally before you get to cell phone level status, that that age. So we're talking about that early developmental stage for many children here in this message from Tall Pockets. And for me, that's why, just as a spoiler, it's so disturbing. Okay, Tall Pockets says, hey guys, call me Tall Pockets if you like. Have you ever <laughs> wondered what a mashup of stuff they don't want you to know in ridiculous history would look like? If Orphan Annie came face to face with Spycraft, are you picturing a princess doll? Are you really (laughs) wild? Anyway, my boyfriend and I visited the Museum of Failure tonight, not the actual Museum of Failure, because as it turns out, it's permanently closed. Failed? We're a brilliant business strategy. Anyway, (laughs) alongside such notable gems as the Zune, New Coke and the Monoski. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Monoski. Yes, like one one ski. Brilliant. Uh. These were complete failures. Uh, One that I'd never heard of, the My Friend Kayla doll, available from 2014 to 2017. This Bluetooth-enabled doll was marketed as the perfect friend. She knows all about you. She listens to you. No, that's not sinister in the least. These dolls would learn what a child said and sync it to the internet to generate responses. Great, right? Ooh, cue applause. Yeah. So first of all, that uh, sounds like... The Google Home that was in my house as my son was growing up at a very early age, where he would just ask things. And I'm sure it knew 
all kinds of things and knows all kinds of things about my son. Um, but this in doll form, oh, seems nefarious. So let's uh, let's keep going with what. Sorry, that was Matt speaking. Let's go back into uh, what Tall Pocket says. The doll can talk about movies and shows and other toys. It records what the child says so it can maintain some semblance of a conversation. No one would ever hack this or use it to inundate kids with ads or record their conversation and sell it to companies to make more effective targeted ads. No, they would never. They did? Wow. What? This is so unexpected. (laughs) These dolls are actually banned in Germany as they violate the German Telecommunications Act and are considered a concealed espionage device. And the Spy Museum Berlin has one on display. So we've covered listening to recording conversations, selling private data to marketing groups, and extra sneaky ad placements in the form of a convo with your BFF, Kayla. Did I miss anything? Oh, right. It's a doll that's inherently creepy. I hope you find this as fascinating and disturbing as I did. Thank you for all the work you do. You guys always make me laugh inappropriately in the office, much to the alarm of my unassuming coworkers. And then Tall Pocket sent us several very important links that we're going to discuss today, as well as a picture of... My friend, Princess Kayla. Ooh, it's amazing what she knows. It really is. And before we find out exactly what she knows, guys, what do you say we listen to an advertisement for this? Yes. Uh, this friend of ours, Miss Kayla. Is it going to be old timey? No, it is not. Too no, much? No, no, it is not. Here we go. Kayla knows Oh, sorry, that's the horror version. Hold on one second. <laughs> Let me change that. Kayla knows millions of things. What's a baby goat called? A baby goat is called a kid. Kayla knows millions of things, and she plays games with you too. You love memory match. I know your favorite pudding is strawberry cupcakes. How does she know that? Kayla knows so much about you. And now Kayla has a new princess look and activities. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this? this is like from the 90s or something or what, what is no, this? No, 2014 to 2017. Okay, I missed that. Uh I don't like that one bit. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the 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 thing in Squid Game, the the high um red light green light doll mm-hmm. and the little creepy song that she sings. Kind of reminds oh, yeah. that vibe to it. Absolutely. If that doll itself knew everything about you. Uh, this is, oh, this is insidious. Also, full disclosure, uh, Tall Pockets, if you are the person I'm thinking of, uh, thank you so much for this letter because I'm pretty sure we're friends on the internet somehow. I think Tall Pockets is onto something. And uh, I know we all three looked into this and can confirm the story is true. But thank you so much for writing in because I had not heard of this. I'm just not a, at that time in my life, well, at any time in my life, I've just not been a guy who's particularly into uh, dolls. Mm. <laughs> I get it. There's no no shame in that, Ben. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Matt. There, there's all kinds of stuff that we can point to here. My mm. favorite thing, the Tall Pocket sent us an article from the BBC News. It is titled, German Parents Told to Destroy Kayla Dolls Over Hacking Fears. It was posted in February of 2017. It's an official watchdog in Germany that literally told all the parents out there in Germany that bought this Kayla doll to destroy them because they're dangerous, because they're hacking vulnerabilities within them that can cause them to be listening devices for nefarious folks. Thanks. (laughs) it's pretty amazing it's uh the federal network agency it's got a name that i cannot pronounce i bet you could Noel. let's see give it to me matt bundesnetzagentur bundesnetzagentur that is my best college try so there it is, the Bundesnetzagentur, which oversees telecommunications. They're the folks who said, hey, this is a bad thing. Do not do this. Um, but then, of course, at that time, this group called the UK Toy Retailers Association came back with, hey, y'all, this isn't a big deal. Come on, Kayla's fine. Do you know why they said that? Because Kayla was a massive seller. 
Sure. I bet. She was extremely popular. Uh, <laughs> uh, she was kind of the tickle me Elmo of her day, maybe. It's so yes. funny. The tagline on the box yeah. is, it's amazing what she knows. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It's inherently yeah. creepy. I mean, and also, do you remember there was an episode, this is totally Black Mirror territory. There was that episode uh, with Ashley O, you know, played by, um, what's her name, uh, Miley Cyrus, and she was kind of this sentient doll or whatever, and there's there's a twist to the story, but also the subject of this email is Chucky, now with Bluetooth. And when they updated the Child's Play movies, what do you think they did? They did exactly this. They uh, made it a Bluetooth Bluetooth connected friendship doll companion thing that, you know, gets hacked and becomes a murderer. Um, so yeah. Advertising is like Wu Tang. It's for the kids. Also, it's when definitely I, for like, the kids. I, I had shouted that out earlier too. It's amazing what she knows, which is at the bottom of the box, but there's a second thing, which is yes. like a comic book speech, uh, air, bubble. speech bubble. Yes. That says, I know so much about you. Uh, this is this is the kind of thing that would make me leave a store actually mm. yeah it's super weird oh but it's kid safe guys because there's a logo on the bottom that says so so it's fine it does Don't worry say, about it it does say it's kid safe and hey, well this is just something i want to remind us as we're thinking about this we are all now used to the amazon and google and all the other devices in our mm-hmm. homes that just mm-hmm. listen to us at all times and you know respond when we address them <laughs> uh, but Google Home didn't come out. It wasn't released until 2016. This thing came out in 2014. So it's an early adopter of this kind of technology where you can just say things to it and ask it questions. It then queries, you know, Google or the internet and comes back with an answer. This thing, Kayla, looking at you with these eyes that I'm looking at right now on my screen that I'm feeling very uncomfortable about. She's just talking to you and telling you all the answers that you have as a child. And if we go back to that BBC article, I just want to talk about, I think it's called Vivid Toy Group. They were the ones who distributed Kayla, my friend Kayla, or Princess Kayla, my friend Princess Kayla, whatever. Uh, she has all kinds of AKAs. Hmm. They, they released some statements back in 2017 that were just saying, yes, we're aware of this kind of abuse of our technology, right? Hacking that has occurred. These are isolated incidents. Nobody needs to worry about this stuff. It's not a big deal. They were just, you know, one-offs. But then, of course, when the federal network agency comes back through and says, no, 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 y'all, we got to we got to kill Kayla with fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's pretty serious. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, to say the quiet part out loud, this is a new avenue of espionage, quite potentially. Right. I'd be surprised if it didn't happen. The Bluetooth stuff is relatively insecure. You could also just imagine how many high-level conversations parents have around their children, right? You know, maybe there's a maybe there's a kid playing with their Kayla doll while the parents are talking and one of them works at an embassy somewhere. Oh, hey, how was your day at work? Ah, these Russians again. Crimea is going to be a thing in a few years and no one's listening and Ukraine will be a thing as well. Like, that information could be valuable and it could be very easy to find. Um, I don't know, man, surveillance and children, uh, surveillance via children is an effective and in my opinion, highly unethical strategy. Like consider, consider uh, how much YouTube algorithms learn, right? There are a lot of parents who who have to, you know, you want to distract your kid for a second or get them to sit still and focus and then, they're they're in the hands of uh, a video service that has its algorithms tuned to what they like, creating a feedback loop. It's crazy. You kind of indicated this at the top of the story, Matt, but Bluetooth is notoriously vulnerable, right, in terms of, like, mm-hmm. you know, a way in to people's yeah. systems. Yeah, especially when it was, you know, early on the early days. Not early on the morning. That, that isn't necessarily early 2016, but, you know, every with every update, more things get fixed, right? More vulnerabilities with any software and or hardware that you're dealing with. What is it? The um, That same agency told Sudeutsche Zeitung Daily that Kayla, quote, amounted to a concealed transmitting device, which was illegal under an article of the German telecoms law. Oh, wow. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> how big do you think uh, 
how big do you think Kayla got in Vienna before it got shut down? Oh, withdrawn. Yeah. withdrawn. <laughs> That's what happened. Somebody from the agency received <laughs> one as a gift or something and was just playing with it and then realized like in uh, some moment late at night after her daughter had gone to bed and she's sitting there, you know, just looking at the thing and trying to figure it out. And then it just starts talking to her and it's a uh, somebody from the opposition. I don't know. Yeah, it was the same with like those kind of Bluetooth nanny cams or whatever, or anything that's like broadcasting on that type of more or less open, um, you know, frequency, I guess you'd call it. You can intercept those super easily and monitor a feed coming out of one of those cameras, or you could broadcast onto them. You know? Yeah. Uh, dangerous stuff. Thank you so much, Tall Pockets, for reaching out to us and sending us this just fascinating story. Um, I will now be forever horrified by that face of my friend, Princess Kayla. Congratulations. We'll be right back with another message from you. Uh, not you, Tall Pocket. Sorry, we, we did your thing, but, uh, but you. Maybe Kayla. Oh, God. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man, Marie's a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return, your time won't, and we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do 
is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with another piece of mail, our correspondence, whatever you want to call it, from you, the public, the conspiracy realists of the world. And this one is also uh, about privacy, about privacy um, in terms of money, cold, hard cash, or, uh, or actually uh, cryptocurrency. Um, this message comes from the, what is it, the fearful otter? No, not fearful. Trusty. The trusty otter, of course. Thank you, Ben. This one comes to us from the trusty otter. I'm just going to get right into it. Greetings, gentlemen. After listening to your recent show on money laundering, I pondered about other ways that groups are using to clean their funds. With the boom of cryptocurrency within the past five years, the government has no way to regulate these different transactions. Oh, they're working on it, though, aren't they? Um, while all transactions are being recorded in the blockchain and those record records will still be there when the government does create some regulation, uh, there are ways around it. I know you mentioned NFTs and how they might be used, but there's still another way. Tornado cash uh, is one way that is most worrisome. When someone who obtains cryptocurrency, either through illicit activities or lawful ways, uh, they can put some of those funds into these, this tornado cash system. Now they will not be able to remove that money right away. The longer they wait and the more money they put in by others, uh, it makes it very difficult to see whose funds are whose and when they remove them or not. It's like an IOU system. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing some of the intricacies of the system uh, as I'm no expert, but this is a basic overview to the best of my knowledge. I definitely see the other uh, use for some people, but with the recent thefts of Ethereum, the kind of system will ensure that those bad actors will just have uh, to wait to cash out. I know that some markets will not allow the sale of these stolen Ethereum, but if they are allowed to put it into Tornado Cash, um, it is as good as gone. Anyways, I love the show, and the three of you guys always have space in my playlist. Uh, keep those investigations and uh, look forward to hearing your take on this. Cheers, the trusty otter. Um, so we, we don't have to go too much into this, but just a quick refresher. When we say that, you know, blockchain or like, you know, regular cryptocurrency transactions aren't anonymous, it's sort of the way like when, you know, we found out all of the ways that the CIA were uh, monitoring, you know, phone calls of American citizens, not necessarily with data they could attribute directly to an identity one to one, but they could see all these patterns. They could see this number called this number and that number called that number. And then by analyzing it, you can kind of see repetitions in the patterns and kind of get a sense of who is who if you even know who one person that you're monitoring is. It's the same with the, the blockchain. Blockchain, you know, transactions uh, have a unique, you know, key or set of kind of letters and numbers that are associated with whatever wallet they are, are um, coming from, you know, to or from. And if you know who one of them is, then over time you can kind of figure out who others are that are, you know, being transacted with. It's called, um, I guess you'd call it metadata, where it's not directly giving you the identity of the person, although if you are using a cryptocurrency exchange, you do have to have some sort of identification to be, you know, to join that exchange and to buy stuff from it. So it wouldn't be that far of a leap for the government to petition, you know, those organizations to get that information. So there are ways to stay kind of anonymous using cryptocurrency on the internet, um, but it does require some effort. Uh, so it's not inherently like some people might say or think um, anonymous. But with this system, or this standard, I guess, or this like, you know, app or whatever you want to call it, Tornado Cash. It's correct what um, Trusty Otter is saying, that it's essentially combining, mixing different transactions so that it, it doesn't like read as a single transaction. And again, I'm not an expert either, but uh, it is something that is a little bit troublesome because it does make it much, much, much more difficult to trace the kind of chain of custody uh, and the, you know, the provenance of these kinds of transactions. So it's definitely something um, the government would probably not be into. But as we know, legislation hasn't even caught up to cryptocurrency in a way that they can even really 
do anything about it yet. So these de- there are these developers out there that are already figuring out ways to deal with the future when regulation does come down so they can hide their, you know, um, piles of cryptocurrency uh, away from the government or at the very least um, be able to kind of, you know, store them and then cash out uh, away from the watchful eye of Uncle Sam and, and not have to pay taxes, let alone if this money is being used in black market activities like uh, human trafficking or, you know, serious drug transactions or whatever. So, um, and it's interesting because this standard or this tornado cash is actually launching a much more, you could call it mainstream kind of like standardized thing on a, uh, a sub strata kind of of the blockchain called layer two. That is where a lot of these like de- decentralized finance projects take place um, on different um, like there's Polygon. There's all these other standards in their L2, which is like not the traditional regular blockchain. It's like almost like a, you know, if you could look at the web and then you've got the dark web, it's like almost like they're parallel kind of um ledgers that are happening at the same time but it's a different standard so essentially they're rolling out something uh, on something called uh, the um, Arbitrum Layer 2 uh, network that will allow people to directly use this Tornado Cash standard to mask their transactions um, it is considered a fully decentralized Ethereum so that's the basis you know that's the coin that you would use uh, to try to to disguise these transactions they're calling it a decentralized Ethereum mixer protocol uh, and it apparently masks the path that the coin takes from sender to receiver um, allowing you to have completely private transactions without the need to use other more kind of privacy focused coins that require you to do a lot more like exchanging and like you have to pay fees every time you do those um and also layer two networks on this ethereum standard are very very fast and have very low fees um while also benefiting from the you know uh security and decentralization that ethereum you know as a standard offers so this is um, a little bit troublesome you know Mm -hmm. there's a great article uh from shrimpy academy that helped uh, helped break it down for me as someone who's also not an expert on this. We know that blockchain technology can hide your identity, but it cannot hide the trace of transactions. Tornado right. Cash is is what's called non-custodial, meaning that there's not there's not someone who is an overall authority watching. And there's a great example in this article about how simple and foolproof the design of this tornado cash thing is. If you are, um, let's say you, they have a great example in this. Let's say you are tracking down a hacker and this hacker stole something uh, using a, a specific type of strategy, like a flash loan exploit, which you don't have to get into. You could search for the address that holds the stolen assets using something called Etherscan, and then maybe you find that they use Tornado Cash to launder the money. Your only like real data point is that address and then knowing the amount the hacker stole. And if they're mixing up in Tornado Cash, which is, as you said, Noel, it's a, it's a more complex version of a coin mixer, a token mm-hmm. mixer, a thing that already existed. But it, so like, let's say you know that they took 50 Ethereum somehow. Mm-hmm. And then you are trying to figure out how how to find it, then you could say maybe, you say, well, let me look at every trade that was for the amount of 50 Ethereum. But if they're clever, they would just do transactions for 10 Ethereum and they would do that five times. And that makes it a much more common transaction. And then it gets mixed up with all these other addresses of people who might have had a similar con- uh, similar interaction or transaction. And then it it, it becomes impossible to find the person because they're using something called smart contracts. Uh, These accept deposits made in Ethereum, but they get withdrawn to other addresses. So there's no real way of knowing who the original sender is unless you've got some good, you know, I don't know, you've got some outside variables. Yeah, this is this is tough because it's it's going to be used for crime, right? We could say that, right? That's like, I mean, 
I don't see what well, I don't see any other reason for it to exist, right? Oh uh, no, I I hear you guys speaking Latin to me, and all I hear is crime. This is crime. <laughs> this is all crime. ways to do crime and get your money in crime. That's literally your all. Crime, your crime money. Your, I, like your all the other words. Cash. Like, yeah. Okay, great. I know what a blockchain is now. I know that I guess now you can mix that shit up and you can yes. get your money out of the blender somehow. <laughs> great. It's like a, yeah, it's like a delightful game of crime twister, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, also, and, uh, yeah. I have to wave the flag here. It is possible, you know, if you are coordinating protest in an authoritarian state, if you are attempting to, I'm just listing off possibilities. If you are attempting to escape uh, a situation of domestic violence or something like that with someone who is tyrannically controlling your income, which is a thing abusive people do, then uh, they're... There, I, I'm saying there are non-crime uses for this technology, but kind of also on Matt's side on this one. Like this is, I would say, I would yeah. say those would be the exception and not the rule, right? Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's probably accurate. You know, um, it's interesting because, as you said at the very top of of this story, Noel, um, and as I'm sure you know, Trusty Otter, the regulatory bodies are still kind of like strange cats sniffing this new world of crypto and they need to figure out how to maintain their status quo and they also want to figure out let's be honest how to make their percentage off it that's one of their main concerns unfortunately both private industry and banking and public industries like governments so at, at this point though the the tornado already came through like this this kind of approach uh, how, how would you stop it like the only way i could see somebody some institution addressing this in an effective manner it would depend on new regulations being imposed so something that says like okay if you are in the world of crypto you have to be somehow registered in some way which Sovereign powers could require people to do that, or they could try. And then you would, maybe it's a thing where certain activities are sus. So like if you use any kind of coin mixing service, you have to, you have to answer to some country's version of the, uh, of the alphabet gang. And they're like, Hey, noticed you, uh, noticed you've been mixing your coins. Look back on your social media. So, um, some real red flags there. Now mm-hmm. it's true. It could be, it could definitely become a signifier in and of itself, uh, that, that activity is going on. And then therefore it could be compelled, they could compel you to justify it in some way. I, I don't know. Like, again, the technology that the government is using and the legislation is still very, very slow on the draw. I mean, even like, I think Biden announced some uh, initiative that was going to start attempting to tax things like NFTs and, um, you know, crypto holdings, but even that wouldn't go into effect until next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I know people that have been in this space for like uh, a decade, mm-hmm. you know, people who have genuinely made fortunes. So what happens when it all comes crashing down, you know? There have to be uh, things in place for folks like that to protect themselves. Yeah, you got to get out, you know. Uh, Well, also that those regulations may happen sooner because the uh, Biden administration has decided uh, that remember during their campaign, they were like, we're going to cancel student loans. Uh, And I think it was last night or today they announced we meant we were not going to do that. So pay up. (laughs) Right. So I, I. yeah, so like, I, maybe they get, maybe they're going to get their lawyers on crypto instead. Maybe that's the plan. Well, it's definitely a plan, um, but I think our plan for now should be to take a quick break here from a word from our sponsors, and then come back with one more piece of listener mail. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, was booted. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene. I've last on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we have returned. Our next piece of correspondence comes from the one and only Dark Sky. Here's what Dark Sky had to say. In your recent listener mail episode about death at Groom Lake, you touched briefly on international arms dealing. This seems like a good time to share something I found quite by accident recently. Out of general curiosity, I was viewing the wiki page for Sears, as in the nearly defunct U.S. retail chain. We know it well, Dark Sky. Somewhere on Wikipedia, I can't find it now, there was a reference to a subsidiary of Sears called Sears World Trade. Long story short, apparently Sears World Trade was involved in international arms deals and possibly providing cover for U.S. intelligence operations. This would have been in the early and mid-1980s. Here's a quote, says Dark Sky, from one of the Sears board members at the time. That name sure seems familiar. 
We received periodic reports on Sears World Trade as an entire company, but I don't personally remember being briefed on those particular activities, said, as I'm sure you can tell by the voice I'm doing, Donald Rumsfeld, a former Secretary of Defense who was serving on Sears board at the time of the interview. And then Dark Sky goes on to share a couple of links to dig into and concludes with an attaboy for us saying, great show, keep it up. Thanks so much, Dark Sky, and keep the correspondence coming. Oh, man, you touched a nerve, dude. Sears, the uh, pre-pandemic, the office that we all worked in was an old and historic Sears on another show that our crew does, Ridiculous History. We explored the history of that building and Sears in general. If you are not from the U.S., you may not be familiar with this uh, department store, but in its heyday, it was the Walmart of its time. It was ubiquitous. You could order everything from like shoelaces uh, to guns to entire houses from Sears. And they would just ship it to wherever you happen to be at. So I have to say, I am I am surprised that I'm surprised we didn't talk about it in our earlier episode, but also at the same level, I don't know how you guys feel. I'm not surprised that Sears was doing this. What What about you guys? Initial reactions before we break down what Dark Sky is referencing here. They were very good at selling things. In yes. the, at least they had people on board who were excellent at that. Well, they and, also like invented uh, catalog culture and essentially not only sold things, but sold the concept of the kinds of the kind of lifestyle you should have that required certain things. You know, they sort of invented like the American dream and sold ooh. it to the American people, essentially. Well, and in this case, if your lifestyle is, you know, being a warlord or, <laughs> you know. Uh, running a military in a different country that maybe doesn't have access to a ton of weapons manufacturing. They did a good job showing them what life could be like. Yeah, yeah. Fingers on a hand, as we've said before. The higher you get in any hierarchy, the smaller your circle becomes. And also, uh, at the same time, as counterintuitive as it may sound, you are also more likely to have Venn diagram contacts with other industries, right? Like the the uh, average person working in a, a factory making widgets might not know the person who makes gadgets, but the guy who's in charge of that factory probably does know the guy or the person, excuse me, who runs the gadget factory. That's just an unfortunate side effect of the tribalism of the species. And that's this is where it gets interesting because Dark Sky sent us this great article. I feel like this is a fun, uh, I feel like this would be a fun live episode for us to do, but we want to introduce you to the uh, the Gucci main of this story with Sears. This guy named Frank Carlucci. Uh, if you are a... Um, if you're a fan of reading about U.S. politics and you can get really deep in the weeds, you might remember this guy as the national security advisor for a time to former President Ronald Reagan. After Carlucci left his job as the national security advisor, he got hired on at Sears to run this subsidiary, the dark sky mentioned, Sears World Trade. Sears World Trade Let's just unpack these Matryoshka dolls here. Mm -hmm. Sears, Sears World Trade had its own subsidiaries. And one of those subsidiaries, the thing it oversaw, had the name International Planning and Analysis Center Incorporated, a name wow. that is just, just beige and blasé enough to be suspicious. Uh, who was in charge of that? Who was in charge of that center? A retired four-star general named James Allen along with uh, 12 other former military officers. They provided this subsidiary of a subsidiary of Sears. Look at those proxies. Admire those nesting dolls. Uh, they provided advice on how to sell anti-aircraft missiles, how to sell transport planes or flight simulators, radar, and trailers to the U.S. and Canada. So they were talking with private industry like defense manufacturers and they were they were pulling contacts, which is what a lot of the 
uh, a lot of the public service folks who go to the dark side, that's what they end up doing. Their nepotism is their uh, CV, their resume, you know? I mean, what we have on paper here, at least over the span of time since this, this was going down in, I, it was the 80s, correct? Ben, this mm-hmm. is when. Yeah, this that's correct. You know, I'm I'm making references to warlords and, you know, selling selling weapons in other places that maybe maybe enemies of Western powers or something like that. But in this case, they are talking about the U.S. and Canada. When we know about something like this, I always have the suspicion that it goes deeper and it goes further out to more nefarious things. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's true just because I feel that way. Just putting that out there. I feel you, man. That's a fair like gut check that everybody has to. What do we do in D and D? You got to roll initiative. You got to roll for constitution. You have to make sure that you're, we're not going too far down a rabbit hole of conjecture versus mm-hmm. a rabbit hole of fact. But mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that doesn't look good for this. One of the main things being that when this story broke in the mid-1980s, I think around 86 or so, when this story broke, Sears' response was, oh, uh, yeah, we it's a small part of the company, and, um, uh, and we're going to sell it anyway. We, we might sell it to some other company. Okay, we might sell it to the people who run it now, <laughs> which is... Mm. Chef's kiss. But then there was also the second aspect of sketchiness here is the deniability factor. Rumsfeld said, Oh yeah, I don't I don't remember doing that. And uh people at Sears were like, Oh, was that what that subsidiary was doing? They're just so small. I didn't I didn't know about that. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Which is which is kind of like iHeartMedia saying, podcast, huh? That's wild. We didn't know our That's podcast. What those cats? Yeah, we didn't know our podcasting arm was doing podcasts. Anyway, what? That's what they're doing down there in Atlanta. Huh. <laughs> ben, what was the name of the division again? The name of the first subsidiary is Sears World Trade. The name of the subsidiary that was doing the international arms trade consulting is International Planning and Analysis Center Incorporated, or IPAT. Which is clearly a subsidiary of Illumination Global Unlimited, right? Well, clearly. that's our show, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. <laughs> yeah, yep, we shouldn't be yeah. talking about this. Oh, no, 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 no. You're right. You're on the money. Uh, well, they're they're involved in pretty much every company, I think, at some point again. But this is, this is fascinating because if you're interested in the history of Sears, uh, please do check out that Ridiculous History episode. But also, I think this is indicative of of just how much of a reach this place had. And it, it and to me, okay, so I'm torn. Hashtag Natalie and Bruglia. Uh, I, I'm wondering, like, what is the primary player in this Sears World Trade situation? Was, was it Sears making a lot of money? I would imagine not. I, I think it made less than 1% of their sales for quite a while. What it seems to me like, and this is without doing an episode on this, what it seems to me like is some shady consulting was going on and it had the Sears brand name attached as kind of a cover or, uh, you know, like a sheep pelt for a wolf. What do you guys think? Am am I off base there? Uh, I I feel like you're right on the money. I'm looking down at the bottom of this Washington Post article titled Carlucci Supervised Arm Advisors at Sears. It's a wow from 1986. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Going down all the way to the bottom of it. And it's exactly what you're referencing. They're talking about Sears World Trades revenue, Sears Robux, which, you know, the above them. And mm-hmm. then IPAC total revenue at Sears Robux was $40.7 billion in 1985. And then IPAC only made $3.5 million. Only. Well, I mean, but think about that. 3.5 million is a huge amount of money in 1985. But think about the difference like you're talking about. This tiny little arm, this thing within their thing made that small amount. You can only imagine that this is, it exists there for a reason that they haven't stated, to, in my mind. For it, for them to keep around a thing that's, that's that small and not divert those resources somewhere else where they can clearly be making lots more money lets me know, or at least sets off my alarms that this is important to them for some other reason. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. And I, there's, there's another, uh, <laughs> there's another piece to the puzzle. Uh, this is not quite the bow on the Christmas gift, but uh, let's call this the wrapping for the present. Dark Sky, you also sent uh, in a great article from The Nation, which is one of the first things that popped up to me as well. And this article is from 2002, and it talks about the further adventures of our man, Frank Carlucci. He's so Carlucci right now. Uh, he went on from Sears World Trade and IPAC to become the chairman of a returning guest on our show, the Carlisle Group, fellow no conspiracy realist. No. Yes. yes, zero poop involved. This is true. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, Oh, man, Carlucci runs deep. So let's check this out. So if you want to learn more about the Carlisle Group, uh, I mean, you can go to their official website if that's... You know, if you're into airbrush art, go to their website and read their About Us. Uh, if you are into learning more about the controversy, check out a Wired article uh, from 2010 by Spencer Ackerman, which talks about the, the reach of the Carlisle Group. Because the Carlisle Group, amongst their, their many other things, it's not been officially censured for this, but... There's compelling evidence or circumstantial evidence that they're also deep in the arms trade. And before Carlucci went to the Reagan administration and cabinet and before Carlucci went to Sears and before Carlucci went to the Carlisle Group, he had a job at another company, the company. At least that's what we call it on this show. So from CIA to the executive branch, to your favorite department store, if you were alive, <laughs> you know, if you were alive during its heyday, to an incredibly powerful global investment firm. It's just more and more, I'm wondering, more and more, I'm wondering, like, who is really voting in this country? By which I mean, who is affecting the decisions of policy? And it's so hard not to be cynical. You know what I mean? It's so hard not to think that these are fingers on a hand and i'm not saying this is how everything works but i'm saying in this case i think dark sky is on to something i think sears yeah. just got caught up because their their name looked clean you know dude there's so many dots to be connected here i need a conspiracy board yeah yeah you kill it at the conspiracy boards though you're amazing at that oh i can mock them up to shoot them on video <laughs> for sure i can make fake ones all day let's do it uh but i need somebody out there that can actually connect these dots from Rumsfeld and Sears to all of these things whoa, to Rumsfeld whoa. when whoa. Rumsfeld when he brought Carlucci on and then Rumsfeld when he's in off you know in office mm -hmm. essentially um hanging out in the upper echelons like you talked about that those closed circles at the top I mean I just want to follow Rumsfeld and then we'll follow Carlucci somebody out there put those two together Mm -hmm. Oh, Carlucci was also, by the way, kicking it with Project for New American Century. Shout no. out to them. Yep. On uh, the U.S. Taiwan Business Council. Uh, he was no. a member of the Board of Trustees of the Rand Corporation. I'm telling you, man, it's deeper than rap. It's, it's quote dead press. Uh, he was on the Drug Policy Alliance. Ooh, I mean, this guy. Oh, my God. This guy had. I don't know if he had many interests, but he had a lot of organizations that he used to push his interest. He was really on the Drug Policy Alliance? Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was on the Drug Policy Alliance back in, oh, he was a member of the Honorary Board. Okay. And that dates back to 2010. Uh, uh, he passed away in 2018. Gotcha. And, you know, at this point, we cannot ethically draw hard conclusions about what Carlucci's motivations were, you know, or what uh, what led him to be connected with so many organizations, some of which are, remain pretty controversial, I would say, in the modern day. Uh, but we can say that there are a lot of dots to connect. This is awesome, Dark Sky. Thank you so much for sending this. Uh, I would love to dig in more and see if this is an episode. 
I think there's something cool about that. But anyhow, that's how that's why we shouted out Sears in the beginning. So we're going to call it a day for Lister Mail. But I have a surprise for us, Matt. No, I mean, it's not really a surprise. I mentioned it off air, but we got an actual letter. I'm covering the address. Oh, have you looked at it yet? No, I was waiting for you guys. So we have no idea what's inside there. We do. True surprise. It Uh could be anything. All right. We just know that our friend Eric, Eric sent this. And if you're on our uh, Facebook group, here's where it gets crazy. Then you've heard from Eric. Uh, So, all right. So here we go. Here's the cover. Just going to, I guess we'll have to narrate this. Oh no, this birthday card's late. And it is a, a um, dashing looking pig on a motorcycle wearing a helmet. Safety first. And the letter reads, ooh, oh, whoa, we got swag. We got stickers. Okay. Uh, The letter reads, Matt, Noel, and Ben, I apologize for this coming later than I expected. I just wanted to say happy birthday to you all. So this is from August, I guess. And thank you for all of the wonderful shows you make. Hope you all have wonderful birthdays. Sincerely, E. Uh, P.S. I hope you enjoy the stickers. Just don't fight over who gets which D.I.A. sticker. Okay, I'll just show you these. Um, And we can distribute these when we hang out off air. But we've got some happy birthday stickers. We got a great project paperclip sticker. I don't know if you can see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, and then we've got this bad boy here. We got a unicorn with its midsection removed, shooting lasers out of his eyes. It's a unicorn. Uh, Denver Intergalactic. It's the Denver sculpture from the airport. Yeah. It's the Denver Intergalactic Astro Astro Park, uh, established 1995. Uh, so we've we've got these, and uh, thank you so much, Eric. Uh, what that's so cool, you guys. We got an actual letter. Yeah, thank you, Eric. That was really kind and really cool stuff. Appreciate the wishes and the stickers. I will take <laughs> whichever of the three. You guys don't want. Oh, there's because uh, so I like all of there, them. Look, look at all these. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we got. We have an embarrassment of sticker riches, and it's all thanks to Eric. I have an embarrassment of sticker, like just like hoarded stickers, because I, I'm like in my old age, I'm just afraid of like sticking things on things. Mm. Uh, back in the back in my younger years, I would just stick a sticker on anything. Now yeah. I just have piles and piles of unused stickers. But maybe that'll be a New Year's resolution of mine. I'm going to change that behavior. Start sticking up the whole, you know, world. Stick Some sticker britches. <laughs> Just put them on them pants. Were you a bumper sticker guy at one point? Oh, no, I despise bumper stickers. That is a real pet peeve of mine. But, you know, cool little cutout stickers. And mm-hmm. uh, my kid actually just got a really cool electric guitar for her birthday. She just turned 13, and she's already stickering it up. So maybe I'll donate some of these to her cause. That's Good awesome. Call. That's awesome. And thank you again to tall pockets thank you to trusty otter thank you to dark sky thank you to eric and thank you to everyone who has tuned in over the years uh we can't wait to hear from you specifically you if you want to be a part of this show well spoiler you're already a part of the show but if you want to uh share a message with your fellow conspiracy realist let's team up let's collaborate dare i say let's conspire we try to be easy to find online That's right. You can find us on the internet. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on YouTube under the handle Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, you can find us under the handle at Conspiracy Stuff Show. Yes, and if you want to use your mouth and your phone to contact us, you can dial 1-833-STDWYTK. You will hear Ben's voice, some music, and then you have three minutes. Say whatever you'd like and give yourself a cool nickname. We can't wait to say it. Just let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air. If you've got more than three minutes worth of things to say and maybe links or some other information you want to share that's more easily typed, instead send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.